Welcome to the Brady and Kyle Show podcast. We will be covering everything sports. We felt like we needed to get the first episode recorded before the NFL season started. So let's get right into it. We got the week one predictions. Kyle, go ahead and uh, start us off. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, <clears throat> been waiting a while to do this. I'm glad we finally started. Um, like Brady said, we're mainly going to cover like all sports. You got baseball, MLB, NFL, NBA, some college. We're not big college watchers, but when the college football playoff and March Madness rolls, rolls around, we're definitely going to cover that more. But we wanted to start this podcast before the season started. We're starting a day before, and I feel like the best thing to do is talk about the week one NFL predictions. So, Brady, we got tomorrow night, Defending champs, Tampa Bay, Dallas at Tampa Bay. That's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good way to kick off the the, the new NFL season. So uh, do you want to start first or? No, you can go. All right. So I do think it's going to be a tightly, a pretty, a pretty close game. To start off the year, I think uh, the Cowboys are going to actually surprise a lot of people this season, you know, um, with as long as Dak stays healthy and uh, their core, their main core guy stays healthy. I think they're the favorites right behind uh, the Washington football team to win their division. So uh, for the first game, you know, you got the bucks coming off that Super Bowl win convincing fashion. I still think they pull this one out in a close game. 31, 28 is my final score there. Bucks win. Okay. This is just an interesting game. When I was looking at Tampa Bay's schedule, usually uh, Super Bowl winner starts off every year playing against, like, a high-caliber team, you know, or a division rival. And I feel like Dallas is going to surprise a lot of people, but I feel like they're kind of just pulling it out for the ratings for week one. I feel like the Buffalo Bills at Tampa Bay would have been a better opening game, but... I I think Dallas could pull off the upset. Maybe they have more more passion to win the game. Maybe the Bucks have a Super Bowl hangover. Mm-hmm. You know, but realistically, I'll go realistic. I think Tampa Bay is going to win probably 35-24. I think definitely think it's going to be a two possession game. <clears throat> um if not definitely going to be at least seven or eight points. Right, right. I mean, you just can't stop the Buccaneers defense. So with that prediction in place, what do you see the seat? What what do you see the the season going to be like for these two teams? I think they're both division winners. Both division winners? Right on. I think one team's going to be a double-digit team, double-digit win team, and the other's going to be a 
<clears throat> writing that 10 win, nine win division. They're going to, they're going to take out the NFC East. They're going to win the division at either 10 and seven or nine and eight. Solid, solid. I do think uh, the Buccaneers are going to take over their division, win it convincingly. Um, oh, yeah. I think they'll I mean, win 13. It's the biggest mm-hmm. challenge, you know? Right. The Saints? Yeah. A Saints Winston? team that doesn't even know who's really playing quarterback for them. Crab legs? <laughs> Eat the dub? Like, you got Jabu Winston starting at quarterback. But anyways, we go to Sunday. The 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific time opening day. We got Philadelphia at Atlanta. So I think that's an interesting one. Um, but that Atlanta defense is just is just not going to be competitive this year, I feel like. I feel like it's just going to get ran all over, thrown all over. And this Falcons offense isn't as high caliber as we're used to seeing. You know, we, you were, we're used to seeing the Falcons offense start with Julio Jones. And for the first time in what seems like forever, we won't be saying his name, association, you know, with the Falcons. So yeah, this looks like one of their worst offenses. I know that Kyle Pitts is coming in, but you got to remember he's still a rookie. You know, there's going to be a lot of growing pains with that. And Matt Ryan's getting up there in age, you know, missing more throws than usual. And I just feel like Philly has the young core in there with Jalen Hurts, with Miles Sanders, Jalen Rager, you know, Devonta Smith. And their O-line is healthy again. We saw last year, you know, some of their big O-line guys out. So I think it's going to be a, a two-possession a two game. I got uh, the Eagles winning by 14 here. 31-17 final. Yeah. I mean, this game is one of the – probably the weirdest games on the schedule. We both don't know what the two teams kind of – you know, we don't know how they look. It's the first week of the season. You have essentially a new starting quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Going to his sophomore year, he's still um, – I'll say he's definitely a leader from what I've heard, all the stories about him, at practice, with watching film, you know, testing other teammates and stuff. And then we got a whole new Falcon – not a whole new, but basically a whole new Falcons offense. You got Todd Gurley who's off the team. You got Mike Davis, who's starting. You got Kyle Pitts, who's starting. Julio Jones gone. The defense still looks not to be – I think they're probably a bottom five defense. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, I would say if I'm a sports better, which I'm not, I would not bet on this game. This yeah. is one of the toughest games it's... for me to decide. I'm going to put out a quick disclaimer – you know, with you saying that is week one is always so hard to predict because we don't know what kind of form all these players are in. You know, every single year mm-hmm. there's there's a team that was expected to make the playoffs and even high into the Super Bowl and they don't even make the playoffs. And then you've got teams that are just ruled out from the beginning that end up surprising the whole league, make the playoffs, make a push at the Super Bowl and sometimes even make the Super Bowl. So it's yeah. you really don't know what kind of form these teams are in. Week one is definitely going to be the toughest to predict. Yeah. It's like the last game, Dallas-Tampa Bay. I could see this going one way or another. It's based off all on um, 
I would say just the toughness of each team. And with that being said, I think Jalen Hurts is going to show up and put on a show probably two or three touchdowns, maybe a touchdown on the ground, at least 50 rushing yards. I'd say Eagles win 28 to 10, 28 to 17. Yeah. Another big kind of blowout game that I don't see being less than a possession. Yeah, I do I just think, don't think those are going to take over here. I just don't see the Falcons defense doing anything to stop Jalen Hurts. And they got Devontae Smith, you know, Heisman winner. Jalen right. Rager is actually getting some highlights during the preseason and training camp. The Eagles are definitely one of my top teams that I'm really interested in seeing how they look because I think they could be a sleeper to win their division. But I just feel like nobody's really giving them a fair shot right now because it's just so many inexperienced, young, you know, rookie, second year, third year players. And uh, from the past, I mean, you've seen those teams, you know, lose to more experienced teams, you know, down the line. You know, yeah. they're more likely to make the mistakes, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right. Next game, Pittsburgh. Repeat that. The next game we got Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Yeah. I think that's going to be a really good game. And But with the news coming out about TJ Watt maybe not playing, holding out for a contract extension, that really spoils the day for the Steelers because I originally thought the Steelers were going to give the Bills a game, but without their best defensive player – and really the heart of their defense, maybe even the heart of the team, it's going to yeah. be tough to win without them, you know? And plus, oh, yeah. it's never a good sign when players are fighting with the general management and, and then it gets to the coaching. It's just – I just don't think the Steelers are having a really big-time winning attitude right now. I had high hopes for them, especially their offense. You know, I think they'd really put it together with Najee Harris. But if T.J. Watt doesn't play in this game, I've got the Bills by 10 points. 31-21. Yeah. I mean, when I saw Stefan Diggs after the AFC Championship game watching over the Chiefs celebration, the parade they had, or, you know, when they were on the podium celebrating the AFC Championship game. Right. I think Stefan Diggs is about to be the number one receiver in the league. I think not in terms of like, you know, height. He doesn't have the height against other top receivers. He's not as fast as like Tyreek or, you know, Ayuk or all those right, receivers. Right, right. He just reminds me of a better Keenan Allen. His catching ability, his route running, his toughness. I think him and Josh Allen are going to combine – I don't know how many how many yards, but they're going to combine for the most yards in the NFL this year as a QB wide receiver tandem. And Josh Allen will win MVP. Stefan Diggs will be the number one receiver. Those are some pretty bold takes considering, you know, the high-powered quarterback wide receiver duos we have in the league. You know, we're talking about Mahomes and Hill. We're talking about 
you know, of course, you mentioned Allen and Diggs. We've got Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. We've got Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf. You know, yeah, there's there's a ton of good duos. That that's a pretty bold statement, though. But uh, I definitely think they're top three in both of those categories. But it'd be yeah. interesting to see if they got both first. I just I don't see the Steelers taking the game as you know. I don't think they're going to handle the game. I think Buffalo is going to control the tempo. They're going to run their offense. Like you said uh, before, when before we talked about the season, you said the Bills need a run. They need a running offense in order for them to be, you know, a Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl contender. Right, right. So I think a good way of getting their running offense started is against the top 10 defense in the NFL. That'll definitely set the tone. Yeah. Uh, for the season to come, if they can get, you know, if I think the key thing is, is that Josh Allen can't lead the team in rushing yards. That just can't happen. And so many times in the playoffs and later down the season, you're seeing Josh Allen lead the team with 40 or so rushing yards. And it's just that that can only um, last for so long before it's enough wear and tear on Josh Allen. And it's also, you know, just the lack of the running ability. I think they have the best offense in football if they can run the football a hundred yards a game. Yeah. And I'm looking over Casey, you know, it's close, but if the bills, you know, more talking about Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, if those guys can combine to, uh, to get a hundred rushing yards a game, that's going to be the best offense in football. Just because I feel like the Chiefs definitely have their top two guys in Hill and Kelsey, but I feel like the number three guys in question this year, like we could see Edwards Hilary emerge as that guy. We could see Mikul Hardman emerge as that guy. You know, maybe Byron Pringle, yeah. maybe Demarcus Robinson, but you know what you're getting with the Bills. You know you're getting Diggs. You know you're getting Cole Beasley. You know you're getting um, Gabriel Davis. You know, and then they they have the new addition of Emmanuel Sanders. Not to mention Tristan McKenzie was a big role. You got Dawson Knox out there. Like, they're just so deep. They can run running back by committee. You know, Singletary, Moss, they even have Breida now. The running ability of Josh Allen, I just is endless. Yeah. Buffalo, it's, it's safe to say, you know, they can't surprise people because they already did that last year, but – I, I could see them being the number one seed if the, all the cards go right, you know? Yeah, definitely. Especially because I think the Chiefs are going to have some really tough divisional games this year. Yeah. All right. Minnesota at Cincinnati. You can start us off here. Okay. Um, I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going to go with the home team, Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow coming off an ACL injury. I don't trust his O-line at all. I would trust um, – I would trust throwing five trash cans out there and saying go block the whole Minnesota front line. But, <laughs> but that doesn't diminish how good their offense is besides the O-line. They got Joe Mixon, T. Higgins, who's going to be the number one receiver. Um, they got um, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. 
I'm not going to say Jamar Chase. <laughs> I think the expectations, it was only preseason and he's been dropping a lot of passes, but right with low expectations comes high output. So who knows? Maybe we could see him go for like at least 500 yards this year. Maybe like three or four touchdowns. But yeah, you got Tyler Boyd. You know, their defense, not the best defense, but they got Jesse Bates. Um, He's an up and coming star. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Final score. I think it would be a low-scoring game, like probably 21-20. Possibly Minnesota drives down the field for the final drive, misses like a 43-yard field goal to win the game. I just see Cincinnati. You know, you always got to pick an upset every every week. Right. I think Cincinnati is going to be that upset. That's a fair point. You know? I think you had a, a decent argument for the Bengals there, but I just uh, – it's really hard for me to see the Vikings losing the opener here, and I just think that they're just going to live through the running back in uh, Dalvin Cook. You know, he's expected to be a top two running back this year, right right behind McCaffrey, and they're just going to feed him and feed him and feed him. And I really don't think the Bengals have a have a uh, answer for him defensively. And when they think they do, they're going to run the play action, hit Justin Jefferson, hit Adam Thielen. I've, I don't think that this Vikings offense is necessarily overpowering, but against a team like the Bengals, it will be. And I have the Vikings just having a field day out there, scoring 34 points. And uh, I think the Bengals are – we're going to see some struggle. I know a lot of people are high on the Bengals, but that old line, it's just not cutting it. And uh, teams aren't going to even need a blitz against this team. They're going to be able to get get quick pass rush, rushing three or four guys, dropping guys into coverage, you know, doubling up, you know, slot receivers. Joe Mixon is going to have a tough time running behind that O-line. I only have him scoring 14 points here. I think it's going to be a blowout fashion, 34-14. I think Joe Burrow is going to look a little slow coming off the ACL, too. I don't think a lot of people have taken that into account just because, you know, I mean, he's had he's had his recovery time, but he's just not going to be the same guy. You know, he's got to work through some of the uh, growing pains, just like Saquon Barkley. You know, I don't think he's going to be 100% when he gets back, but. Yeah. what's your final score 34 14 vikings jeez well i mean i hope uh justin jefferson does good because uh he's on my fantasy team but (laughs) that's one way huh (laughs) all right san francisco at detroit so 49ers versus the Lions. This should be an absolute blowout. You know, I'm sure the Lions are heavily in favor of the Niners. You know, the Lions are very new look team, new quarterback, new backup running back, new receiving core, new coach, and a very young defense. 
I think Kyle Shanahan is just going to have a field day on offense. I think he'll be able to score with Mostert, Sermon, Kittle, Ayuk, Debo Samuel, you name it. And uh, I think Detroit's offense isn't just going to be able to answer back. Um, I do think the Niners' defense is going to have some hiccups because they lost their coach or their defensive coordinator to to the Jets, you know, Robert Sala. Yep. So uh, I do think that their defense isn't going to be that dominant this year. You know, I have them like top 10 or top 12, but not top five or top three, like, you know, we've seen in the past. So overall, I think the Niners take it easily. Um, I think Garoppolo has a good day too. You know, he's trying to prove himself in that starting role that he's still the guy over Trey Lance. So I've got the Niners scoring 38 and I've got the Lions scoring 17. Okay. I think the only thing going for Detroit in this game is that they're at home. Um, I do like Dan Campbell as the new head coach. I think he's going to be a huge turnaround from the mess that was uh, – forgot his name. But, jeez. But, yeah, I think Dan Campbell – has a possibility of turning around the team in the next five years. I think they're going to get good draft capital, maybe get some good signings. But so far they have um, a subpar below average offense. Their defense is, uh, I'd say, the same. Right. It sucks that they're in the NFC North, you know. Because every team, every time they play the Bears, Vikings, Packers, they usually only take one game out of all six of those games they play. Um, hmm. For the, uh, for the final score, I could see it being twenty-seven to six. Yeah. I think Sam Fran's defense is too good. Garoppolo gets too much hate as a quarterback just because they drafted Trey Lance. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's going to go out, show why he should still be the starter, control the game, control the tempo. You know, they're going to run all over Detroit. And then if they don't run it, they're going to do play action over the top to Kittle, Ayuk, or Debo Samuel kind of unfair but I got San Fran 27 to 6. Yep. We both got uh the Niners and blowouts. The only difference is I think the Lions will get on the board with with a couple touchdowns. You don't think so. Um but I think Dan Campbell's atmosphere, he really has focused on the trenches, you know, having a strong O-line, having a strong D-line cuz that's that's where football starts. So uh, I think uh with a decent O-line and the running back duo of DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, they get, they got to get in the end zone at least once or twice in the opener here. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. One of the top five games on the week one schedule, Arizona, Tennessee, two offensive powerhouses two average defenses going at each other looking for a high scoring game. Yeah. What do you got? 
So I like this game a lot, especially from a fantasy perspective, because it's it's the <laughs> it is definitely the shootout game potential that that you're looking for. And both of these defense are are mediocre. You know, these two teams could be playoff teams, um, you know, come playoff time. But these defenses are going to have to make a huge turnaround if they if they want a chance to go deep into the playoffs, you know, even to the Super Bowl. But here looking just week one, I think Kyler Murray is going to be out for for blood this season. I think he's going to have a great season. I actually like him a lot, especially in fantasy this year, because he's going as quarterback three just because of his running potential. I just feel like he could absolutely just kill it this year all in all. And the receivers they have over there, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, rookie Rondale Moore, A.J. Green. I think their offense is going to be firing on all cylinders this year. But on the other side, we've got Mr. 2000 rushing yards, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, and the new edition of Julio Jones. Mm -hmm. That is a trio that is just top. It's just top in the league. You know, I don't know if any, if any other trio can compete with that, you know, talking about the starting running back and the two starting receivers. I really don't, especially because they all make each other better. AJ Brown and Julio Jones are huge guys that love the block on the outside, seal the edges for Derrick Henry, where Derrick Henry is going to be providing some huge pass protection, you know, when they're getting the ball downfield. I really think the Titans are going to be tough to beat this year um, because of that, of that offense. It's going to be so hard to stop that offense and they're just going to wear defenses down by the third quarter. The defenses aren't going to even want to be playing football out there. And I think that's where they're going to start to separate from teams. So I think the, I think the Cardinals are going to have the lead at half Titans come back strong in the second half and we're going to have a shootout here. I've got the Titans winning 38-34. Mm. All right. Um, I like the idea of them, the Cardinals starting off with the lead. Um, I'm just going to say the score right now, and then I'll talk about it. Uh, okay. I think the Cardinals will start off winning at least – I think it's going to be like 10-7. It's going to be surprising. Going into halftime, people are going to think it's a shootout. They're going to turn that game off, turn on the Seahawks-Colts or some other game (laughs) because that's going to be a high-scoring game. But then they're going to flip the switch. I think the final score is going to be 34-31 in overtime. I think the Cardinals will go down the field, get a field goal, and – I just don't see anything but Derrick Henry on the final drive of overtime and then getting the game-winning touchdown. Right. That's just so tough. It's it's hard to, to game plan and to tackle Derrick Henry for four quarters. I can only imagine another overtime period on top of that. Mm-hmm. I think Arizona is a great team. It sucks they're in the best division one of the best divisions in football in the NFC West. Um, with their division, 
being how it is, I could only see Arizona slipping in as a wild card, the final wild card. But it's gonna it's definitely gonna be tough. Cause they have a really good team. I could see them taking some games from the Seahawks, from the Niners. You know. Tennessee, on the other hand, I think they could only be as dominant or more dominant than they were last year. A hundred percent. There's no reason why they should not be at least a 12 win team. Yeah. There's the only thing stopping Tennessee are injuries. That's it. Yeah. Because they're not a bad team at all. Not at all. And like I mentioned earlier, they just feed off each other. They help each other out. It's a really good roster design. I think they're one of the better teams on paper. We'll see how that translates to the field. But I'm really liking the Titans. Yeah. yeah. All right. Seattle at Indianapolis. Go ahead and start this one. All right. I know you and me already talked about it before. We have yep. differing views. In a way, but we both think Seattle is going to come out with the victory. I think I could see a case for Indianapolis winning now that Carson Wentz is back. But Seattle's a first first half team. I'm not talking about the game. I'm talking about the whole, you know, their whole schedule. Right. For the past, I think, three or four years, they've been at least six or seven wins and with, like, two or three losses. And they either finish with uh, other coaches stopping their game plan on offense. Russell Wilson slows down as a quarterback. You know, he gets his MVP votes early. Yep. But never, never gets a single one, and he's never gotten one his whole career. I think the Seahawks win this game. I saw a stat, actually, on CBS. The Seahawks have the best overall average since 2010 of wins on the East Coast. Like the wow. East Coast, the Eastern time zone. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would see 35-27. I don't think Indianapolis' offense is going to produce as much. I don't think they're going to be able to keep up with Seattle. And plus, I got Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf, so I'm hoping two or three touchdowns between them, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. So my take on this game is that there's a lot of question marks in this one, more so than the average week one game, even though every week one game is going to have a lot of questions. Reason being, Seattle's out here with a new offensive coordinator, you know, really looking to turn around the team because they were receiving a lot of criticism last year for not letting Russ cook, quote unquote, you know, (laughs) fans, analysts, thought that they were running the ball too much in in the early downs. And by third down, you're just not giving, you know, Russell Wilson enough 
enough downs, enough time, you know, enough quality play calls to really let him be the MVP candidate he really is, you know. So I think the the new offensive coordinator is really going to work with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and find a happy medium because you got to run the ball. There's no doubt, but it can't be to the point where it's almost predictable and it's taking away from your other players' potentials. So I do think we're going to see a new vamped Seattle team and they're going to be tough to prepare for because the Colts are going to be looking at this team and they're going to be like, man, these guys are going to be tough to prepare for because, you know, brand new playbook. We're talking about this new OC, you know, they're really trying to spice things up. However, the Colts, I think have a top five defense um, talent wise. Will it translate to the field? I think so, especially if if Carson Wentz and company can can prove that they're uh, they still have something in them, you know. If if Carson Wentz comes out flat and it really shows, oh, he was injured, oh, he wasn't able to get you know quality reps with the with the you know with the first team, I think it's going to really affect the team in the first half of the season. You know, maybe we could see a four and four Colts or maybe a five and four Colts. And uh, that would definitely be below expectations. But in week one here, I think that the Seahawks offense is going to be too hard to prepare for and they're going to prevail late. I've got them in a low scoring affair, 27 24. I've got Seattle. The thing about Seattle, and it's coming, coming from a Chargers fan. Um, Their offensive coordinator. You got um, what's his name? Shane Steichen, right? Um, I'm not a hundred percent on the new offensive coordinator. Oh, never mind. Never mind. It's Sh- Shane Waldron. Never mind. I was thinking it's Shane Steichen from the Chargers of last year. Oh. I was wrong. I'll proceed. All right. Speaking of Chargers, we got the next game. Chargers at Washington football teams. So this is, I think, going to be a really interesting game. First of all, Justin Herbert, I think he's going to have a breakout year in his sophomore season. I feel like he's had the offseason to really – Get get those, you know, get the first season in the offseason to get the growing pains out from his rookie season and really start to lead this playoff caliber team. He's got all the weapons necessary from Austin Eckler to Jared Cook to Keenan Allen to Mike Williams. Joshua Palmer snuck into the wide receiver three spot. I saw that. Yeah. Um, I think he's really going to lead this high caliber offense and i think they're a sleeper team to to not only make the playoffs but go on a little playoff run because this defense is very talented you know headlined by derwin james and i think they they can be a sleeper defense because i don't really think anybody's giving them a fair shot um but any defense that's that's headlined by derwin james not to mention all the other stars on that defense it deserves a fair chance 
And against the football team here, I think it's just tough to say because you really don't know how they're going to look in week one. Just because, you know, Fitzpatrick, we haven't seen him with with these with these uh, with the offense with the first team offense. And last year, it really looked like, especially in the playoffs, that Tyler Heineke was going to be the the guy going into the season. And yeah, really surprising for me to see him not starting. So that just means that what I take from that is that Fitzpatrick must have been looking really good in practice and whatnot, you know, given him, you know, the coach has given him the heads up, you know, giving him the go. But the, the, the Washington football team's defense is just stacked from head to toe. Um, they're going to be tough to beat, but I do. But, you know, just like Philip Rivers was known for interceptions, so is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think that's what's going to come down to. I think a really good defensive play by both of these teams. But I feel like we're going to see an interception late that's going to lead to a game-winning drive for Herbert and company. So I've got the Chargers in a really low-scoring affair. 20-17. to 17. All right. Um, this comes with no bias. but Kyle's a Chargers think, fan, by the way. <laughs> do you think the Chargers are going to pull this victory? And the crazy thing about the Chargers is, as a fan, for 18 years, I know that week one is the decider of how the season goes. If, And this has been the case for the past at least 10 years. If the Chargers win week one, they don't make the playoffs. Every time they've lost a week one game, they've made the playoffs. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, it's, it's weird. But... I think this game isn't getting as headlined as it should be. Like looking at all the other games and some of the other games you talked about, no one is going to really talk about this game and kind of the impacts, you know, it has for both teams. Both teams are right now not favored to win their division. I could see some people saying Washington winning the NFC East but I've mostly heard the chatter about the Cowboys. Right. The Chargers, I don't think they got a single vote in anything I've seen for winning the AFC West. I think these could both be wildcard teams, potentially. They both have really good defenses. They both have really good offenses. If, And I'm going to say this for Washington, if the game – goes right they have really good offenses because I could talk all day about the Chargers offense but Washington it depends on the week Fitzpatrick's gonna have you know Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins you know he he would do the annual four touchdown game comeback victory game-winning drive you know Right. Or he would have the annual three to four interception game and get replaced by the backup QB, who's the younger, the younger QB that looks to start for the team. In this case, Taylor Heineke. Um, yeah, I really like that point that you made. And I do think 
at some point this season, it's just going to be inevitable. You know, Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick's going to have his good games to where, you know, he's going to get called his nickname, Ryan Fitzmagic, you know, and then all of a sudden uh-huh. it's going to be middle of the year and he's going to have his three interception or four interception game. And that's just going to be the line. I think whether they're going to just draw the line in the sand and say, all right, Heineke starter from here on out. And uh, for the better or the worse, it just feels it just feels inev- inevitable, especially uh, at this stage of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick's career, that he's just uh, not going to be a 17 game starter. Yeah. But make sure to vote for him when Pro Bowl votes come around. <laughs> he's never made a Pro Bowl. People are pushing for him to make a Pro Bowl. I'm one of those people. It, the Pro Bowl is a people's choice, you know, so make sure to vote Fitzpatrick. But I think the Chargers are going to win narrowly, you know, as they always do. They're probably going to start off really good in the first half and kind of put the – take the foot off the pedal. Hopefully that doesn't happen. New year, new coach, new system. I hope if they take the lead, they don't let the other team get a chance to come back like they always do. <laughs> but maybe 24-20, 24-21, Chargers victory. Yeah, I think that's the most alike prediction we have so far. I said yeah. 2017, you said 24-20 or 24-21. Yeah. That's – uh. That one should be a low score, should be a thriller. Essentially, it should be a really good game. But I feel like the reason why it's not being, you know, uh, opening day or maybe a Sunday night football, more like prime time, is because the NFL is steering away from low scoring games. And they're really trying to advertise the high scoring offensive shootouts because that's where they feel like the, the game is going. And and it's unfortunate, but the average, you know, casual football fan doesn't want to watch a defensive, you know, hard-nosed game anymore. Yeah. You know, they want to watch Mahomes and the Chiefs against Josh Allen and the Bills. And yeah. uh, that's just where the game is headed. So <laughs> It's like the MLB. No it one is. wants to go see a no-hitter. They want to see a 13 to 12, you know, 10-inning game. Right. They want to <laughs> see Mookie Betts and, and Fernando Tatis. Yeah, and Ronald Acuna and bat flips, you know. Yeah. Okay. And you got the next game. New York at Carolina. I'll start this one off. Okay. Recently, I met um, Zach Wilson in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. That's pretty cool. How was that experience? Yeah. I mean, I was just on vacation, you know. I was getting my hair braided. And my brother told me while he was in the pool, he saw Zach Wilson. I was like, there's no way Zach Wilson, a BYU quarterback, is going to be in Mexico in July. <laughs> and I didn't believe him. And then I was sitting down getting my hair braided about 15 to 20 minutes later. And a kid walks by. He, him and his mom are looking at something. And the mom says, oh, look, it's, it's the Jets. Uh, maybe we should – we should get this for him. And then she's like, oh, wait, it's the wrong Jets because it was the Winnipeg Jets, the NHL team. Oh, okay. And 
you know, I was like, huh. You know, I was like thinking. And then I see another brother, you know, walk by wearing a BYU hat. And I'm like, oh, where are you from? He's like, I'm from, uh, I think you said Draper, Utah. It's about right hour 30 from where I live in Logan, Utah. And he said, um, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm from Logan. He's like, oh, that's cool. And, I'm, and then I said, yeah, I heard Zach Wilson's here. My brother said that. And he's like, well, yeah, that's my brother. I was <laughs> like, oh, it's cool. And then, like, the next day we were taking pictures as a family. And then it was, like, 8 or 9 a.m. And I saw him walking. So me and my brother took a picture with him. That couldn't is really, awesome. I couldn't really talk to him. But growing up as a Utah fan, you're not supposed to root for a BYU player at all, you know. <laughs> but I I think the hype has diminished with Zach Wilson. All the hype in this NFL draft has been Justin Fields, Trey Lance, and, you know, I, I haven't seen anything for – the number one and the number two overall picks, you know? Yeah, it's and really I, been focused on those two guys, as you mentioned. And like I said it's before, it's preseason, so you can't really look at a player in his great preseason play and call him an amazing player yet. But he had the highest rating, highest passer rating out of all rookie QBs, I think out of all QBs in this preseason, like 138.5. That's impressive. Even, you know, in the preseason, it's your first time, you know, playing the NFL. Yeah, that's that's definitely impressive. BYU didn't play uh, top teams. Their best team they played last year was either Utah or Coastal Carolina. I don't know. They didn't play Utah last year, but they played Coastal Carolina as their uh, best, you know, ranked opponent. Right, And that's where the hype, I think, diminished with Zach Wilson. People looked at him as not a number two overall pick because of the, you know, the teams they've played. I do, too. I think what really got him drafted at number two was his combine performance. You know, the Jets were just blown away um, with how he looked, even, you know, without the top teams that, that he wasn't playing in college, you know. If you're looking at a guy like Mac Jones or Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields playing the best teams in in the country, you know, for college yeah. football and they're performing, it feels a lot safer that those guys are going to translate to the NFL compared to a guy like Zach Wilson. But I mean, look at Carson Wentz. He he was a top pick and he's he was coming out of division two football. So mm-hmm. He's proven that you don't need to be in the SEC or the Big Ten, you know, to the ACC to uh, really translate to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And with that being said, I see the Carolina Panthers taking this game. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no disrespect, but the Jets just – I don't see them doing that good this year. I really like their coach pickup, Robert Sala. Yep. I I like his mentality. He looks like the next Bill Belichick almost, you know, with with his uh, coaching ability in San Francisco. 
I wouldn't go he that was, far, but I am I am high on his coaching debut for sure. He had the number one defense in 2019, 2020. He did. And, you know, he – he, uh, I just like the way he puts his players out there. He's more of a lead-by-example guy instead of sit back and watch, you know. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, but I know – I know what it what it's like to have a defensive coordinator that led a number one defense become the head coach of your team. You know, me being a Broncos fan, we got Vic Fangio, which led the Bears to the top top defense, I believe, in 2018. Um, you can check me on that, but I believe it was 2018. He he his past few years in Denver has not been you know overly impressive, but I do think in year three. He starts to turn things around in Denver. I like Denver a lot, especially because, you know, he's bringing guys in. But not to go too far off track, Robert Sala, he, sh- he should be a great head coach. Um, but it might not – the results might not be there in week one of his first year or even his first year at all. You know, he's got to try yeah. to rebuild this team. New, new, uh, new everything almost. That team is just in the middle of a rebuild. So – yeah, another note. Um, pick up Corey Davis in fantasy. Definitely really? a sleeper this year on the New York Jets. Yep. I am not on the Corey Davis train. I I have to hear have to hear your thoughts on he was, that. He was the number two receiver on Tennessee. And even when AJ Brown was out, he was the number one. And he held his ground, you know? Yeah, but that's what Derrick Henry just leading the way and really drawing the play action. Well, they got Michael Carter. They got, uh, they've got um, Kevin Coleman and Ty yeah. Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got a three headed running back, you know, trio. So like, it's not as great as Derrick Henry, but they could still produce. They could. It's, it, um, it's more far fetched, but, uh, how do you see this game finishing out here? I think Matt Rule's offense was very limited last year with Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback. Sam Darnold, we haven't even talked about Sam Darnold's uh, again, playing against his former team. Right. This was a top five draft quarterback, you know? He was top five drafted QB from USC. Yep. Didn't get a chance at all in New York. I think, like I said, Matt Rule's offense was very limited. So with this – with Sam Darnold playing some revenge, McCaffrey coming back, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore. I don't see why this Carolina offense doesn't explode for over 30 points, you know? I'm Maybe right like there with you. 38 to 20 victory. I think Carolina surprises a lot of people coming into this year, especially yep. being in a division with the reigning Super Bowl champs. I think they could sneak in as a wild card if all the everything goes right but you know i think they definitely need this year to grow as a team get the chemistry sam darnold shows up improves shows his worth as the top five uh drafted qb and caffrey goes crazy if he doesn't get injured and they do pretty good i think that's a solid take there um i am liking this Panthers offense a lot 
people aren't too thrilled with the offensive line, which could cause problems against teams, you know, like their division rival Bucks, or, you know, they could have problems against Packers, even some, some problems against the Saints. But this offensive line, there's no reason why they shouldn't be pushing back this Jets front four most of the time. Yeah. And uh, even though they have, they've got some, they've, they've got some young guys on, on the Jets D line, like Quinn and Williams, that definitely are no pushovers. But I do think the Panthers are going to win this convincingly just because even with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, which I'm not knocking him at all, but he would be your prototypical game manager. And I think Sam Darnold could really take on more of a role than just a game manager, especially against his old team, because I feel like he has something to prove because the Jets wasted such a big, you know, high draft pick on him for him for all of a sudden, a few years later, them just give up on him and restart with Zach Wilson. So they really said, they really believed that Sam Darnold is not a good enough quarterback to lead a playoff team in this league. And I think him and Robbie Anderson are both out for revenge games, you know, former teammates in New York. I think um, they're going to come out here and they're going to show out and not to mention McCaffrey, DJ Moore, new addition, tight end, Dan Arnold, rookie receiver, Terrence Marshall Jr. They're going to explode this year and it's all starts in the first game. 35, 13. I've got the Panthers. All right. I think that was our longest discussion on the game with like, maybe 10% of a meaning with that game coming. But we got the dumpster bowl, Jacksonville at Houston. (laughs) And I want to say this real quick. It shows me how much the tickets are. You know, the Buccaneers game's 187. Uh This Jacksonville at Houston game's $18 for a ticket. You're going to for an NFL <laughs> I don't even want to talk about this one. There's really not much to say. I there's, think this yeah, could be like a not. you know minute, maybe minute and a half. <laughs> <coughs> yeah. But go ahead. I think we should just say our predictions for this one. The score and... new coach, Urban Meyer, new QB, Trevor Lawrence. They should come out here. They should dominate the for what I see, the worst team in the league, the Texans, and the Jaguars aren't far from them. But it, there's just such a gap between the worst team in the Texans and even if you want to make Jacksonville the 31st or the 30th team, I just feel like there's such a big gap. The Texans, like, I don't even know why Deshaun Watson is even practicing. Like, that that whole situation is just a mess. So He, he doesn't want to practice because he doesn't want to lose up to a million dollars like Le'Veon Bell did. But Yeah, I mean, that's a fair yeah. point, but – they're, they're just a whole mess. I feel like there's just a whole bunch of problems. You know, it really shows what O'Brien did to this franchise. Yeah. Just absolutely destroyed it. So I've got the Jaguars to win 31-13. I got – the thing about this game is that their offenses – they're both new offenses with new quarterbacks and right. new coaches. So – I'm not going to go into detail. I'm just going to say the final score. I think both offenses are trash. 
and it's going to be 20 to 16. That's fair. With Starting a rookie top. quarterback. Oh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep, yep. I okay. will ask you one question regarding the Jaguars this season. Okay. And that being led by Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, and LaVisca Chenault Jr. That's mm-hmm. that you know, those aren't pushovers. Those are that's some yeah. that's some solid talent right there. Do you think that they could be a top offense and perhaps, you know, play some shootout games? Maybe, you know, one against the Bills or maybe one against I think they need to find their footing. Obviously, but they need to find their footing. Yeah. As an offense. But realistically looking at this offense, I think they're top thirty. Can't say much more than that, but they're top thirty. Yep. Uh they have good players. (laughs) They have good players. Like I like Marvin Jones that pickup. Chenault's about to be the next um I would say Allen Robinson, if you're considering the Jaguars. Um, I don't really have much else to say about the Jaguars. They're just a young, new, developing team. Yep. Wish for nothing but the best. For sure. All right. We got probably the best game on the whole schedule. Cleveland at Kansas City. So, uh, do you want to do you want to start this one off? No, I think you have a bolder prediction. I think you should start it off. Okay, we've got the Browns. We've got the Chiefs. Browns. If you guys don't remember, last postseason we had the Browns. We had the Chiefs. High stakes playoffs in Kansas City, Arrowhead Stadium. We had some controversial calls, I'll say. We had some injuries, key injuries. Patrick Mahomes got kicked out of the game towards the end. And uh, all in all, the Chiefs won. You know, obviously they were in the Super Bowl, so they had to win this game. But that is going to leave a bad taste in the mouth of the Browns, but I do think they needed to lose that game just because of their young players and young coaching. They needed to lose that game, that really close, crucial game. It felt like it was stolen from them because it's really going to help them when they make it back to the playoffs this year and in the upcoming years. And I think this Browns team is one of the most talented teams in the league. I'll put them top three most talented teams on paper. Um, I know that doesn't always translate to the to the field, but they're definitely a top three talented team. And that's because they have, I think, a top five player every single position, including O-line, including D-line, every QB? single position. I think they have a top five player, if not a top seven player. At QB. Every Baker Mayfield top five. Yeah, I'm going to have to revert that statement. Baker Mayfield's not top five or top seven. He's more like top 15. But outside of Baker Mayfield, I think that you can make an argument that every position is top five or top seven. Yeah. So I think the Browns get the revenge. They win 
in a close one, but it's going to come down to defense. It's going to come down to defense, and I'm going to take the Browns' defense over the Chiefs all day, especially in a week one regular season game. So I got the Browns in a very close one, 28-27. Okay. I think it's crazy to say that the Chiefs have something to prove. They have a chip on the shoulder, being that good of a team as they are, signing a whole new offensive line because their offensive line in the Super Bowl didn't was either injured or didn't play good. Right. And gave Mahomes a split second to throw the ball. I think Kansas City, every time they play at home, every time I turn a Kansas City game on and they're playing at home, no matter what team they play, they get some crazy, some lucky, crazy plays, in my opinion. They get some questionable calls. Right. But in the end, it's Andy Reid, you know. That offense, he's proven every year why that offense is one of the top offenses in the NFL. Right. Um, I don't know. I just think Kansas City has something to prove. Everyone is, like Travis Kelsey said, everyone's pitting us as the underdogs, but no one is. But if they have that mindset, that's pretty scary. It definitely is. Underdog mentality coming from a Super Bowl two years ago, Super Bowl champion last year. They went to the Super Bowl and lost because of injuries. Right. I don't know what expectations they're looking to exceed. I could see them going 15, 14 wins. But... I do see what you're saying. They always lose a game at home to a team that's looking like a playoff contender like happened to the Raiders last year. Right. Um, sometimes they play down to their competition. Makes the game more fun to watch. I don't yep. think Cleveland is playing down, but I think they're going to win. That's all I got to say. I think it's going to be uh, – I keep, I keep giving high-scoring games, so I'll say 27-20. And Kansas City. Kansas City on top. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be a close-scoring scoring game. Um, I just have the Browns barely getting it out. And uh, part, part of that is that's like my upset pick of the week type of thing, you know. Yep. But it should be close. So uh, – what do we got next here? We got the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. I'll let you start us off on this one. Uh, okay. This is one of the games where we have differing views. I think this is probably the only – no. Looks like there's three games on the schedule, four games on the schedule where we have – Differing views. I'm going to take Miami as the underdogs on the road against a newly quarterback, rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. I'm not saying he's bad. Just right. saying Miami had a really good defense last year. 
you know, where to, where does inexperience come into play week one? It would be a different story if New England was playing in Miami. Then I would consider New England to be the underdogs and Miami narrowly winning the game. But as a week one NFL rookie starter, usually they're just their their output's not amazing, you know? Yes. They can't manage the game because it's a whole new atmosphere. I think people think two is not the best. I agree with the people, but <laughs> you know, Miles Gaskins is a great running back. You got Jalen Waddle. No one's been talking about Jalen Waddle. Um, you got Devontae Parker, who's just the most average receiver I've seen. He could catch the ball, he could get 50 yard reception games, he could get a touchdown or two. And Mike Jasicki is probably the most underrated tight end in the NFL. In my, yeah, in my definitely, opinion. he is definitely underrated for the talent he has. I just don't see Savon Ahmed and um forgot the other running back name. Malcolm Brown. Yeah, I don't see them taking any reps from Gaskin. I think Gaskin's kind of. I think they're gonna get a good offensive game out from the whole Miami offense. I think they're going to play – they're going to get good pressure on Mac Jones, probably get a pick or two, a fumble. I think they're going to win 23-17. to 17. Okay. I think that's a pretty bold take. But we do see this game very much different. And where you said, you know, Mac Jones week one, you know, NFL – Rookie quarterback might not be sharp. But I look, I look at that, and I agree with you. And then I also look at it and say, Bill Belichick is going to create the perfect game script to where Mac Jones is not going to even have to think much out there. It's going to be based off the run. They're going to get Damian Harris involved early. And I think that they're just going to run the offense through him, you know, get the running action early. And I think the big thing for the Patriots, not only this week, but all year long is going to be getting these two tight ends, John O. Smith and Hunter Henry involved. I think they're going to have big seasons and that they're just going to be huge contributors on this offense. And you also said, you know, to a, even though he's a second-year player, it feels like he's a rookie. It definitely does. Like, to where Herbert, it feels like, all right, he's a second-year player. He's going to learn from those mistakes last year. Like, Tua got hurt. Tua wasn't sharp when he played. Tua got benched. You know, like, it just wasn't the year for Tua, and I don't think this year's the year for him either. Um, I mean, every other week you're hearing about, you know, will the Dolphins trade for Deshaun Watson? Will the Dolphins not trade for Deshaun Watson? You know, and I feel like, that, that's definitely in the back of his mind. And he's going to put a lot of pressure on himself. And the Dolphins' offensive philosophy is, in my opinion, not great. And I think Belichick's going to exploit it on defense. And I feel like for the first time since Brady left New England that this Patriots team can compete for a playoff spot. 
maybe not the division. Bills are tough. But for a playoff spot, especially with the new addition to the playoff structure this year, adding that seventh seed. So I've got the Patriots here by two, by two possessions. Mm. 24-14. Patriots. Okay. Um, I'm going to say as a fantasy output or outlook, start Damian Harris. If you have running backs like um, Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler, Right. I would put Damian Harris as a flex. Um, if, you're, if you're looking to start Damian Harris over like, uh, you know, OBJ or other receivers that, you know, have a good um, projection this week, don't listen to projections. Start Damian Harris. Big game incoming from Damian Harris. And I know you have him, so – yeah. I don't need to tell you that, but I like a lot of Damian Harris this week. I like a lot of Damian Harris this year. Breakout season. Um what do you think about Steve uh yeah, Stephen A. Smith's um take that the Patriots are the number five team in the NFL? So I did see that scrolling on Twitter earlier today. And I thought that'd be a really good topic topic of a discussion too. I'm glad you brought that up. So, you know, I'm going to stick by my point that I've been saying for the past few years, guys like Stephen A. Smith, guys like Max Kellerman, they want to be in the news so bad. They'll do anything it takes to get in the news. So they do these things on purpose. And they're never right. They never are. They just say hot takes. People freak out like, oh, my gosh, the Patriots are so good because ESPN analyst Stephen A. Smith said so. (laughs) You know, he also said the Cowboys were going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. I feel like he's doing it for ratings. He's doing it for clicks. NFL season starting tomorrow. He wants people on his radar. He wants – he just wants – all the attention right now and he's getting it but in terms of his take the Patriots are I think are going to surprise a lot of people but you can't put them top five like you barely like I was thinking top 12 I wouldn't even put them in the top 10 yeah definitely not they're they're fighting for a sixth or a seventh seed essentially you know, they're not they're not the fifth best team in football led by Mac Jones. They're just not. They're, <laughs> they're not. not. So you want me to go to the next game? Yeah, that sounds good. Unless you want to We're say a couple going. of things about the Stephen A. Smith. Okay. Okay. Don't worry, we have uh, four games left. <laughs> and um I know the next game I'm about to bring up. I'll let you give your spiel that you gave me the one time. Oh, okay. You got Green Bay and New Orleans playing at the TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville due okay, to hurricane due to the hurricane. Right, right. Hurricane Ida. Ida, yeah. Um, but I'm gonna start this one off. And I read this article, forget what it was on, could have been on ESPN, but it was talking about how 
the Saints had all the leverage here on where the game would be played, you know, due to not be able to play at their home stadium due to the hurricane. So their management took this very serious because they know they have a crucial week one matchup against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And they also know that they don't have, you know, the Saints rosters that we're accustomed to seeing. You know, we're, we're accustomed to seeing Breeze, you know, Michael Thomas, you know, we've seen some great tight ends play from the past, like Jimmy Graham and Jared Cook. And I just don't think they have the same firepower that they've had the past few years. So they're, you know, they're, they're trying to get every, every advantage possible. So their management sat down and had a meeting and they were talking about, all right, where should we play this game? So they've been practicing in Fort Worth, Texas, which Uh for those of you who don't know, very close to the Dallas Cowboys stadium. I think it's in Fort Worth. Yeah, right? the state. I believe the stadium is actually in Arlington, but they're just neighboring. Cities. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So, so yeah, it's like a quick drive. But you know, you would think, oh, they're gonna play, you know, at AT and T Stadium in Dallas. You know, especially because you know the Buccaneers, Dallas, like they don't even have to worry about that. That's yeah. getting done Thursday night, even if the Cowboys were home. So. Of course, they don't pick the Cowboys stadium because this meeting, they're all like, all right, we want Aaron Rodgers where he is most susceptible to lose. So they broke down the analytics and Aaron Rodgers has three wins and four losses career um, in the state of Florida. And mm-hmm. they were like, all right, well, the game is played in three, Florida. How many wins? Three losses? and No, three wins, four losses career. Okay. So – you know, Aaron Rodgers, known as a very good quarterback, he's below 500 in that state. So, yeah. I mean, tell me more, right? So, they were like, all right, so what city should we play in? Because in the state of Florida, you know, you've got the Miami Dolphins home stadium, which I believe is Hard Rock Stadium. Then you've got yeah. the Jacksonville Jaguar Stadium. And you also have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium. So, yeah, every. If you look at the schedule, every Florida stadium would be open, essentially. Yes. yes. So they have a lot of options here. So they're like, all right, Aaron Rodgers, you know, he can't play in Florida. You know, so the analytics say. So they're like, all right, what city do we play in? They're like, all right. So they started to, to look up how much it would cost to fly from Green Bay into these cities. So they started breaking down. They're like, all right, Green Bay to Miami. Green Bay to Jacksonville, Green Bay to Tampa Bay, because they don't want any Packers fans there due to they know a whole lot of Saints fans are going to be there because, you know, a lot of the New Orleans natives and Louisiana natives are really, you know, focusing on their houses flooding and, you know, they've got much, much bigger issues on the table than, you know, going to the Saints game a few states over. So they were looking at the prices. Miami was was expensive, Tampa Bay was expensive, and Jacksonville was even more expensive. It was actually the most expensive out of the three to fly into. So they're like, all right, let's have it at Jacksonville. You know, Aaron Rodgers can't play in Florida. The humidity is going to be tough on not only Rodgers, but the entire Green Bay roster. And it's the most expensive city 
out of the three to to go visit right now. So they're trying to put all those chips. Yeah. They're trying anything they, they can do to win. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I have the Packers going to be winning by 17 points here. <laughs> Through all of that effort, yeah. <laughs> it's not going to pan out for the Saints. You know, it's a, it's a great plan. You know, you got to give a them an effort. A for effort, you know, yeah. definitely. But Aaron Rodgers, he didn't come back to this Green Bay team to lose. He came yeah. back to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to win a Super Bowl. And the Saints uh, happen to be the first team in his way, and he's going to deal with them easily. It's going to be 34-17 is my final score. Oh, really? Jameis Winston starting off terrible. Three interceptions in week one. Bold take. What about uh, his LASIK eye surgery, though? LASIK eye surgery or LASIK, you know, anything. Glasses, LASIK surgery. Jameis Winston is still Jameis Winston. He could throw the football, but he is a gunslinger. He's not afraid. And I think that's going to result in three interceptions due to the lack of receiving options in New Orleans. The crazy thing is my final score is 33 to 17. Man, we see this game I, almost identical. Yeah, I uh... – Boldly enough, I think that the Saints are better without Drew Brees. I feel like his age and his health has been holding the whole team back. At this stage in his career, I I agree. Yeah, and, you know, the defense is always going to show up, but the offense always sells in in the postseason, you know? Right. Like, have have we really seen Alvin Kamara show up in the postseason? You know, I can't remember how much we've seen from Kamara because I feel like all the attention is always about Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, anytime the Saints have been in. So I just feel like he's been kind of playing the sidekick, if you will. Yeah. Okay, well, one point off on our views of how that game goes. So do you know what that means? The game's either going to be 33-17 or (laughs) (laughs) 34-17. All right. Differing views on this one. You got uh, full-bias Denver Broncos (laughs) playing in New York against the New York Giants. I'll I'll, I'll start this one off because – Okay, okay. You know. Okay. New York – New York Giants, Daniel Jones, greatest quarterback to ever live, greatest <laughs> quarterback to ever play for the franchise. Saquon's coming back. He's going to be minimal, but he's coming back. You got Kyle Rudolph. You got Kenny Galladay as new additions. Um, the defense – and I'm I'm not joking about this part, but the defense last year as a six and ten team was actually ranked as a like an a, above average defense, you know? Right. It might have been in part of playing against the whole NFC East. But you know, they showed up. And 
Denver just has a lot of questions that need to be answered. I mean, on paper, they have a really good offense. I like the move they made for Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback. I think Drew Locke's not a bad quarterback, but Teddy Bridgewater probably fits the system as of right now. Yep, I agree with that. Um, I like the running back tandem. I think they should honestly completely get rid of Melvin Gordon. He just hasn't been putting in the work. Um, I don't know. I, just, I, I see this game as New York winning at least 13 to 10. I, I, I think their offenses are going to be so limited this game. It's going to look – it's going to look terrible. But in reality, it's going to be the defense showing up for both teams. Both both teams have great defenses, and I'm not diminishing the greatness of either offense. Mm-hmm. I just think in this game, defense overpowers offense, and New York, as the home team, gets the victory, 13-10. Yeah, I think um, that's got to be the boldest take that I've heard all week besides, you know, Stephen A. Smith. But, um, you know, I know the Broncos, they've got a lot of answers. They've got a lot of questions to answer. The Giants, I think they have even more questions to answer. And one thing that you could say for sure is that the Broncos defense on paper looks top five. There's no doubt about it. They look top five. Yeah. On paper, you know, I know Bradley Chubb just got arrested. I, I think a couple of days ago, if not yesterday, didn't show up to court. Anyways, that's another thing. I'm pretty sure he's already out now. Shouldn't miss time. But regardless, this defense is looking so good. And former players of Vic Fangio just keep on joining. You know, we had a huge signing of Kyle Fuller in the offseason. Not to mention, big time, first round pick in our rookie corner. And I really think that the Broncos are finally going to flip the page and say, okay, the post Manning era is over. You know, this nonsense that we've had all these quarterbacks, you know, we've, we even got to a point where Kendall Hinton had to start a game for us. You know, we're finally flipping the page and, I think you're going to see a Broncos team right out the gate that's going to look destined for playoffs. And when I say destined for playoffs, I'm talking. I'm not talking about the seventh seed. You know, I'm talking about the fifth and sixth seed. I'm talking about the only reason why they don't win the division is because they've got the high-powered Chiefs. But I think that from the running game of Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, that's good. They're going to start everything, and then the receiver duo that we've yet to see in Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And just, just to, you know, throw it out there since Bradley Chubb has been in the league, we have yet to see a full season of Von Miller on one side and Bradley Chubb on the other. Yeah. Just that alone is going to disrupt so many offenses. And then if we're talking about Daniel Jones, you know, uh, Saquon Barkley, that's not a hundred percent in this this offense that just kind of looks like a dumpster fire right now, they definitely have potential on paper, but 
injuries and lack of um, lack of you know the, they haven't had a lot of t- time to really develop together the chemistry that's what I was looking for lack of chemistry and I think that we're going to see some growing pains out of the Giants I think that the Giants are going to look like by far the worst team in the NFC East so that's probably a little more of a bold take but I don't think this this opener's closed. You think the Giants are going to be worse than the Eagles? I do. I do. I think it's going to come down to quarterback play. And I feel like when the Eagles play the Giants, Jalen Hurts is just going to take it to another level when Daniel Jones is just kind of sit and really fly under under the radar and really not not perform. So with that being said, I have the one and only shutout. And, you know, that might be a little intrinsic bias coming out. You know, I'm a big-time Broncos fan, but Mm -hmm. I don't think the Giants even score a point in this week one clash between these two teams. Ouch. At home? At home. That's ruthless. Getting shut out. Especially for the New York team to get shut out at home. Yep. You'll see that all over the newspaper. Yep. And all you're going to have the Boo Birds coming out early. Yeah. But I will say, the, the Broncos' offense isn't going to look perfect. They're going to score three touchdowns, but they're also going to settle for three field goals to where you're going to look back, you know, Monday, Monday morning, you know, you're going to be that Monday morning quarterback and you're going to go, man, the Broncos really could have scored six touchdowns in this game. But it's going to come down to just red zone inefficiency. I think that there's going to be make a few errors. But overall, three touchdowns, three field goals. I have the final score 30 to zero. Okay. All right. You got the Sunday night football game. NBC. Honestly. I feel like they could have picked um, even Miami at New England and put it as <laughs> prime time, and it would have been better. Minnesota or Cincinnati. I just – we got Chicago at the L.A. Rams. I just um, – in terms of, uh, you know, an NFL watcher, someone who actually pays attention to the sport, and everything that goes on with it. As an avid NFL watcher, I think this game is just so boring, and they need to stop putting these games on primetime. They've had one good game on primetime. I think it was 2018 when both teams made the playoffs as the two and three seed. And still that game, I think the final score was like 15 or 18 to six. It was so bad to watch. Last year when they played on Monday night, I think it was like 24 to 16, but the Bears scored a, you know, three-minute touchdown with three minutes left in the fourth. I just, um, with Nick Foles as a starter, I just, uh, when I look at this game on paper, I do not see how the LA Rams will not beat the Chicago Bears by at least 20 points. 
I thought uh, Andy Dalton was getting the start there. Yeah, he is. Okay. Andy you just Dalton's had mentioned Nick Foles. You might have said the wrong. I said Nick Foles last year. Oh, okay. When they played okay. on Monday Night Football. I see. I see. Um. But wait, did you say your scoring prediction? 30, 30 to 14 Rams. Yep. Well, this Bears defense is not looking great. Um, of course, they still have Khalil Mack, but it's really looking subpar compared to the last few years that we've seen this Bear defense. Not to mention, on the flip side, the Rams offense had nothing but upgrades over the offseason. Matthew yeah. Stafford coming in to play quarterback. You know, that is that is really going to be so huge for this team this year. Um, I just felt like Go- Jared Goff was, was just subpar. And uh, I feel like Sean McVay will be able to take more risks and really get deep into his playbook with Matthew Stafford where he couldn't with Jared Goff. So I think we're going to see the Rams offense that you saw a few years ago where they made to the Super Bowl and they were a top offense in the league headlined by Todd Gurley. I think that they can get back to that dominance um, this season. Bears offense looks okay, but any offense doesn't look good against this Rams defense that is just stacked from head to toe on paper. And they've even proved it on the field the past couple of years that they can be the number one, if not the number two defense in the league week in and week out. They're projected 12 points this week. Makes them the highest uh, projected defense in fantasy. Yeah. And as of this week. And I think that is uh, well-deserved. I mean, I'm starting them. I hope they get a, a pick six or two, maybe a special teams touchdown. Yep. But I also am starting David Montgomery. <laughs> now that is pretty bold, I must say. And, well, at least I'm not starting Allen Robinson as my flex. Yeah, you know, I do feel like the NFL took that into account of why this is a primetime game. They're like, everybody cares about Allen Robinson versus Jalen Ramsey. And to be fair, not a lot of football fans really care about that. They only care about it if it's a primetime game. Like, if we saw this game start at 1 Eastern or 4 Eastern on Sunday, it would have some of the lowest viewership outside of Chicago and L.A., out of any other, out of mostly any. outside of Chicago, dude. What Chicago would carry the ratings for that game? Well, I'm saying the outside ratings of Chicago and LA because obviously oh. Chicago and LA is going to have big time ratings, they're two huge markets. But I think that there will be more people watching the Patriots and the Dolphins that aren't in New England and Miami than there are watching that, that game if it was just a regular slated game. And but they got Darnell Mooney. The man, like who could take down, the man who could take down Jalen Ramsey, apparently. I think Jalen uh, Ramsey hasn't said anything about their matchup. Yeah, I like uh I like Mooney. I think he's gonna have <laughs> not a breakout season, but almost a breakout season. 
Yeah, I see what you mean. It's just because I feel like he's limited with the amount of touches they give David Montgomery and Allen Robinson. I just feel like they're going to give them five or six targets a game and almost all of those going to be deep balls. So already not going to have a high catch rate. You know, they're, they're just going to be slinging it down the field to him. He's really going to be a boomer bust play. I think in fantasy, like week in and week out. Yeah. But um, overall here, I've got the Rams winning very easily. Yeah. So 38. 10. 38 to 10. Yeah. I do think Mooney gets the sole touchdown. I think uh, he finds a way to get it, get in the end zone. Okay. We got a uh, last game Monday night. Um, get the Monday night game, primetime game. Um, Baltimore Ravens at Las Vegas Raiders. For the Monday night game. I'll let you start this one off. In terms of uh, power rankings, which we'll probably bring up in a, the next episode. Yep. I have the Ravens in my top 10. I don't see yeah. how they can't perform as a team. Well, they're top 10. They're number nine. But... I don't see how they can't go into Vegas, take down the Raiders. And I know the Raiders have uh, kind of buffed up their uh, their defense, you know. Right. They uh, got some additions on offense. Then they dropped some people. Um, I mean, as a Chargers fan, I'm probably always going to pick against the Raiders unless it's a favorable matchup. Right. And in this case, I think Baltimore is the favorable matchup. I don't see anyone on that defense stopping Lamar. I uh, think a bold prediction would be to start Gus Edwards in terms of fantasy. I would see this score being like 27-21, 28-21. Baltimore taking the win. It's not going to be a a showstopper performance. But I think it's going to be – it's going to be a good game to watch. You'll see the defense on both sides. I think – I just think it comes down to which quarterback is the best. In this case, Nathan Peterman. I mean, in this case, uh, Lamar Jackson. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, I must say, I got to ask one question. Do you have Henry Ruggs? Boom. In his sophomore season or bust in his sophomore season? Boom or bust for Henry Ruggs, huh? I don't see how his um his ceiling is, you know, kind of higher than last season. I think the floor is definitely growing. Yeah. To get in there. Um I think I honestly think Hunter Renfro is going to get uh, more production on the offensive side as a slot receiver. Okay. Henry Ruggs, Henry Ruggs, you know, Alabama wide receiver. They tend to do good in the NFL. 
I'm not saying he's not going to do good, but I think people sleep on um, Hunter Renfro, and I've only heard good things about him from training camp. Right. You know, from the joint practices they had with, um, I think it was the Rams. Yeah, they said he was burning Jalen Ramsey on several occasions. That's, I read yeah. that. I mean, dude, he's basically an age vet from Clemson. He played at Clemson for like, I think, four or five years. Alongside um, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think. That's the only two he played. I mean, some good company right there. Derek Carr is probably the most underrated quarterback. And I'm saying that as a you know, biggest hater of the team. He is one of the most underrated quarterbacks, and he never gets the the, the attention the media gives him, you know? No doubt. I think Derek Carr is really underrated. It's always when you look at the, the Raiders – Whenever a loss happens, they blame it on Derek Carr. And his stat sheet would probably be 328 passing yards with three touchdowns and an interception, you know? Yep. That like, what more it. can you ask from him? Right. And uh, I just want to put to rest those people that are already saying, start Mariota, start Mariota. No. Derek Carr is the right guy for this offense. Derek Carr's the right guy for – the offensive philosophy. He's the right guy to lead this team. And I think he's going to lead this team to a, a better year than what, than what we've seen in the past couple, you know, obviously the ceiling for this team is, is finding a way to sneak into the wild card, but I think the floor is going to be higher. I'm, I'm going to set the floor for this team at, at seven wins, honestly, six or seven wins this season. I think they're going to surprise some people. Um, but I honestly have their ceiling at about 10 wins. So I I just personally do not see them making the the playoffs. I think in terms of the AFC West, every other team is better. Yep. Um but that doesn't mean the Raiders are a bad team cuz I just said three teams that are better. Right. You know, like they're pretty good teams, so. We're thinking of going to Dollar Bears. Did you want to come with? Right now? Yeah. I'm almost done. Okay. Do you want me to? I mean, I'm gonna wait for you. Did you want right. to come with us? I'm gonna drive. So I'm gonna okay. Drive. All right. So that's gonna take us into my prediction for the game. And that is going to be the Raiders barely, barely coming away with the win over the Ravens. And the reason said is I think that Lamar is going to struggle. I think that the Ravens offense is going to struggle. I don't think that... Gus Edwards will be able to do the work of three running backs. I don't think he'll be able to, to do the work of him plus J.K. Dobbins combined. And, you know, people are saying, you know, oh, pick Gus Edwards, you know, in fantasy. I think he's going to do really well this year. He's the star running back on a on a 
Um, he's the starting running back on a run first power run offense. And that is true, but he doesn't have JK Dobbins skill set. He's not JK Dobbins, you know, and he doesn't also have the fresh legs that J- that JK Dobbins has. So I think we're going to see a lot of Tyson Williams spelling um, Gus Edwards this season. I think that Gus Edwards is going to have a limited role um, compared to what people think. I think like most people are saying, oh, he's going to get, you know, 70% of the carries. I think he's only going to get like 40 or 50% of the carries um, out of the backfield this year. But, you know, that's just what I think. And that kind of brings me in. I think it's just going to be a thriller that's going to come down to one final drive. The Raiders are going to go down, score a touchdown, win the game 28 to 27. And I think the Raiders defense is going to shock a lot of people. Hmm. Okay. It's probably going to be our longest episode that we've ever made. It definitely went longer than expected, but it, we are still going through the the growing pains. It's our first episode, you know, (laughs) we don't even have like sound effects in the background. Like, uh, you know, um, Colin Coward. <laughs> we need that voiceover guy soon. But I think in terms of uh, popularity, we're not going to start off well. I think if you stayed through the whole uh, weekly predictions, I respect you for that. Um, yep, 100%. I think the cool thing about us and starting this podcast is how young we are. Usually you see um, any podcast about sports, dudes like uh, Shannon Sharp, Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, all over the age of 50. So. Very true. I think uh, in terms of the first episode, it was more just predictions. We didn't really talk about ourselves, yeah, but we look to grow from this episode. We look to, um, you know, just uh, educate ourselves. We want to hear other people's takes. If you haven't followed our Instagram, do you, what's the Instagram handle? Um, I think it is the Brady Kyle Show. Let me double check that. We're just starting up our social medias. So it is just Brady Kyle show. Um, no, no spaces, no, the just Brady Kyle show. We will be posting on Instagram and Facebook soon. And we're going to be, you know, posting, you know, what do you want us to talk about? You know, certain topics, you know, if something's trending or if, you know, you want to hear, let's say you're a Raiders fan and you want, to hear both of our takes on how the season's going and our predictions for them, not only this year, but for the years following and what we think um, about from the players to the coaching, to the management, where they're headed, you know, those kind of things. Um, That'll be the interaction between us and you guys. 
But I'm going to wrap up this episode by saying thank you for everyone that has watched even only for five minutes. We appreciate it. We're just starting. Uh, it's only up from here. So I just want to thank Kyle for coming on to the show. Wouldn't be the show without you. And we're just going to keep doing these hopefully weekly. Um, we're going to try to, we're going to try to do our best to record, you know, balance college work life. I'll try to get, uh, maybe sit down for an hour a week or what we can do to put together an episode, but yeah. that's going to be it for here. Um, unless you want to say one more thing, Kyle, but that's it for me. Thanks for listening. I'm out.